Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Could California's largest public utility face murder or manslaughter charges for the recent wildfires that killed 86 people in the Paradise area, more deaths than any other fire in the state's history? PG&E has already been labeled a convicted felon, and a federal judge is overseeing its probation for criminal convictions following a 2010 pipeline explosion that killed eight people. Joining me is Peter Henning, a professor at Wayne State University Law School. Peter, what evidence would the state have to come up with in its investigation to charge PG&E criminally? Well, the starting point, and this the Attorney General pointed out, is that they have to figure out whether PG&E was reckless, because if you want to bring uh, a homicide charge, either second-degree murder or involuntary manslaughter, you would have to find that the utility was reckless in its operations. And if they can't find that kind of evidence, then what they're left with are maybe some misdemeanors, failure to clear vegetation, failure to properly maintain their wires. But it would be a much more toned down case if they can't find evidence that PG&E acted recklessly. There have been various charges and investigations of PG&E in recent years sometimes difficult to sort them all out. Does its history play into whether any charges will be brought? I certainly think it does, and especially because the company's on probation at the moment from that 2010 explosion. And so if it were to violate any of the terms of its probation, and the key term is that it cannot commit any other crimes, that that could result in charges for violating the terms of its probation. And I think, um, you know, no utility is very popular uh, (laughs) among the populace. And so, uh, but PG&E's history here and the fact that it's been accused of uh, not being cooperative with the Public Utility Commission and uh, fighting that case uh, back from 2010, I really think prosecutors are going to look hard at PG&E, and if they can find evidence of even just something beyond ordinary negligence, I think they'll look at pursuing charges because of the history of the company. We know what happens to a person who's on probation and who has been charged criminally, but explain what happens to a company. Well, I mean, there are a couple things that could happen. That Typically, when a company is found to have violated the law, you impose fines, or you mean the government, or the court imposes a fine. Um, it is possible, although I don't think this would happen, but a company can be, in effect, put to death by having its charter revoked by the state. Now, that I don't think you were going to see that with a public utility because 
who's going to take over its operations. But um, the company's already operating with a monitor from its 2017 conviction. Um, that monitorship could be ratcheted up, and you could have much closer state supervision, which, of course, PG&E would have to pay for. And so the costs here are going to be much greater beyond just a fine because you also have all the private lawsuits where people whose houses were destroyed are going to go after PG&E to try to recover, as are the insurance companies. PG&E's executives and people at the company have never been held accountable in any of these investigations or lawsuits. Is that likely in the future? That's an interesting question. Getting to the the C-suite or the the, the very senior executives is very difficult because they, they tend not to have their fingerprints, if you will, on the basic types of decisions that could result in corporate liability. It's much more likely to be uh, lower or mid-level managers. Um, you know, could you break through to the senior executive ranks? I- I'm just not sure. I- I'm sure the prosecutors at both the state and the federal level want to see if there's someone who they can hold personally liable. But a lot of times in a corporation, especially one the size of PG&E, that so much authority is diffuse that it's hard to be able to point the finger at one or two people or they end up really becoming just scapegoats. And there's a measure of unfairness. Juries, if they see a company and individuals being charged, often will cut slack to the individuals and hold the company responsible. So I'm just not sure we're going to see any individuals charged in this case, although certainly it's possible. So, Peter, in a report to Judge William Alsup on Monday, and he's the judge who is overseeing PG&E's probation, PG&E seemed to be trying to shift the blame for the recent wildfires. Tell us more about its claims there. Well, that's interesting, and and what a surprise that they would try to uh, negate their uh, any possible blame. They're pointing out that where these fires started, um, and of course we don't know exactly where the fire started or what was its cause, but they're pointing out that it could have been individuals who had uh, unauthorized uh, materials for the power lines, or had somehow altered uh, how the power was brought to their homes. And I think PG&E, at least it looks like, they're going to try to point the finger at others and say, sorry, not us. Um, you know, we, we did everything we could do. We can't control what individuals do on their own property. And, of course, you know, the, in that part of California, it, it's a tinderbox. And so any type of error with electricity can spark a fire and as we saw can have a disastrous implication so i think what pg&e is doing is it's trying to limit its potential liability here by saying we weren't reckless maybe we were negligent maybe we should have paid more attention but that would likely preclude a homicide charge Javier Becerra, the AG for California, his office submitted a legal brief that the judge requested. Why didn't the AG offer an opinion on PG&E's criminal negligence or recklessness? Why did it stay away from that? Well, I think at the moment, and, and what that brief does is it lays out, here's what we would have to prove, but at the moment, they don't know for sure. And so, 
you know, as they pointed out, there are two key issues in this case if PG&E is going to be held liable for the deaths. And the first of those is intent. Can they show recklessness? And the second is causation. Um, did what PG&E did or failed to do, did that cause the fires or was it just a contributing source of the fires? And that in, in any homicide charge, causation is a key element. That's Peter Henning, a professor at Wayne State University Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.